Hello there. Welcome to episode seven of This Is Lit, a podcast where we will be discussing all things literature. My name is Emily and joining me today we have Prue Baker. How are you going, Prue? I'm pretty good, Emily. I'm um, pretty snug in my new Audi, um, <laughs> non-fun, but... I'm, uh, I'm also yeah. wearing mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's an unofficial um, uniform of This Is Lit. Um, yep. Yeah. It's probably the- too warm to wear it, but you know, what the hell. I was, yeah, literally thinking that before. Um, yeah, good, good outfit choice though. Very comfortable. If you don't own an Udi or you don't know what one is, you should buy one. Yeah. We're not getting paid for sponsorship, but. No. <laughs> um, and we also have Sean Clark, who is not part of the Udi club. No. But she's I'm here not. anyway. Hello. Um, <laughs> I wish I had an Udi. You can donate me an Udi if you want. That would be great. <laughs> I should definitely buy one though, so I can be part of the cool kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. And that's where you guys go, no, Sean, don't be silly. You'll never be part of the cool kids. <laughs> yeah, true. That would have been a better response. <laughs> I don't want to crush your dreams though, Sean. Oh, true, true. My dreams of being a cool kid. Ah. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so if you've been listening over the past few weeks, um, we've been talking about two of the English texts which we're teaching at the moment. Um, the first one of those was The Longest Memory by Fred Diaguer. And the other one is a play called The Seven Stages of Grieving by Wesley Enoch and Deborah Mailman. Um, and, yeah, what we're up to today is doing a bit of comparison. So um, today's focus will be all, be all about um, the themes within these two texts and how they're similar and different. Um, but to start off with, just to give us a bit of an overview on um, structure and nav- narrative style and all that sort of stuff, um, yeah, Prue's going to have a chat to us about that. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk about the structure. Um, so with The Longest Memory, the structure there is basically like this chain of voices. So this means that like each chapter builds on previous chapters with the new narrators and the role of the storytelling gets passed around. So this, the whole story is being told by multiple characters and each chapter reveals this kind of new perspective with their own kind of unique moral conflict that they're going through. And the result of this is that it creates this complex view of slavery and also this complex view of society, of of the Deep South or of Virginia um, at during this time. Whereas, contrasting, uh, Seven Stages of Grieving is a monodrama. I think we've talked about that before. Uh, mm-hmm. Just quickly. Yeah, Sean. <laughs> um, <laughs> you should know so, it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll just quickly revise our access, our prior knowledge. Um, so oh, this, is, <laughs> this means that it's performed by a single actor and therefore there's only one character and that's the woman. The structure of Seven Stages of Greeting is episodic, uh, which places, so there's multiple, um, all the scenes, different kind of episodes, as you will, of, of these different kind of issues or um, experiences of Indigenous people. And this paints this complex picture of grief because the structure is nonlinear. It jumps between past and present. It also bounces or shifts between the woman's story, so she has her own story, but then we also are includes it also includes these real world events. So the chapter scenes, including uh, the March or the Daniel York story. So unlike the longest memory, which we're, where we hear multiple perspectives through multiple characters, 
we only really hear from like an exclusively Indigenous point of view in uh, Seven Sages of Greeting. Sorry, I've just lost my head then. Um, <laughs> so as I kind of said before, like these both texts are non-linear, so they jump between past and present, so that's something that's similar about them. They, this, the results or the effect of this emphasizes the confusion that can be felt when people are treated inconsistently and unpredictably. But I also think it helps the audience or reader really see cause and effect. So the effect of oppression or dispossession on people, even many, many, many years later, we see the importance of past events on present and even future events. So I think after reading or watching, these texts we can really we're supposed to learn from the past and I think that's that's the result and that's the point of using this non-linear narrative structure all right that's it for me take it over Sean we will all right so guys I'm gonna make this super super quick um so I am just looking at the narrative style slash uh literary devices and I'm only going to talk about a couple of literary devices or device um used by the authors of both Longest Memory and Seven Stages of Grieving really, really quick. Um, so the narrative style, um, when we're looking at seven, uh, at Longest Memory, obviously we have, you know, in his uh, characters, uh, Diagua. Diag- guys, I never say it right. It's Somebody- like super interesting, right? Because I like after we had this conversation probably like back in our first episode, mm. I like looked it up because I'm like, oh, I want to know how to say it. And there's like actually I think there was like just heaps of different YouTube videos and it like I think the pronunciation depended on like what part of the world you were saying it from or something. Uh, I just like, I say it I, I yeah. feel like I'm I'm saying it phonetically because that's kind of like Diagua, <laughs> like how it's spelt. Like yeah, so I'm yeah. just like, oh um anyway so I'll just keep keep using Diagua what what way did you say before Diagua uh, Diagua I, I, I don't know but I think Diagua. I also mix mix it up <laughs> yeah it up. okay we'll just I'll just keep I, mixing I it up yeah just um, we yeah. need to hear from the author himself yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so Diagua Diagua um uses obviously like memories um, he uses diary entries. Chapel obviously uses like a uh, poetry or verse, and then obviously we have a series of editorials from the um, Virginian editor in the text, "The Longest Memory." When we're looking at Seven Stages of Grieving, however, um, we have to remember it's a play, um, so pretty much everything is presented uh, with dialogue. Okay, so and very rarely, um, like, do we see many other ways that these uh, sorts of um, uh, like uh, pieces of, you know, Aboriginal history and their story and tradition uh, presented in different ways, except for obviously the fact um, Daniel York's story, how it's uh, presented in, in like a court report style uh, delivered piece. Um, and then obviously we have my favourite um, scene, which is I think, um, I think it's called Murray Gets a Dress um, and she delivers it in stand-up comedy. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> really? Whoa. <laughs> Are we Okay. I'm fine. That wasn't me. Who was it? Oh, my God. Is Emily okay? I'm like, what? Um, And so. hmm? Oh, that was really weird. I muted myself because I needed to cough. (laughs) (laughs) And you still heard me. Absolutely. Ah, okay. Well, that's concerning. That's concerning. I thought you were dying. Anyway. um, Sorry. No, no, it's all good. Um, And so it's really interesting because um, 
Seven Stages of Grieving uses a lot of dialogue um, with their language style and their literary devices. And so obviously this is words spoken by characters. But then Longest Memory, we've got Diaguer, Diagua, um, and it's delivered obviously with words. And so it's um, teaching us or instructing us. Um, about his moral message. So I just found that really, really interesting. Humour and stuff like that is also used a lot more in Seven Stages of Grieving. Very little humour and sarcasm, all that sort of stuff, is delivered in um, uh, The Longest Memory as well. So that was really interesting. That was one of the biggest things that I sort of kind of pulled out of them. Um, yeah, Do you think so, that's yeah. a process of, like, healing or because... I think humour would be kind of out of place in The Longest Memory. Absolutely, it would be out of place. Um, yeah, I think uh, obviously uh, it is a pro- process of grieving, uh, but also uh, having been fortunate enough to sort of learn about how um, Indigenous uh, uh, students, um, Aboriginal students, uh, learn through like teachings of drama and stuff, um, they actually – when they use, when Indigenous um, uh, people use humour and stuff, um, it's really interesting because that they really identify with um, using that kind of uh, what word am I looking for here? Using that kind of coping mechanism. Yeah, coping mechanism to sort of deal with life. Um, they're always kind of like jokers, and you know, more so than I assume. Um, those presented in the story of the longest memory does that make sense mm-hmm. mm, it's very interesting it is um, actually, yeah. yeah yeah i think um, though like if you looked yeah. at like a modern day america we yeah. would have those stand-up comics you know uh, joking similar ways perhaps mm. i'm not sure it's just that we just don't see that in the longest mm. memory being a shorter time frame yeah, yep, yep 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 absolutely um and it's also i could go into like theatrical techniques and stuff like that that the play has but nobody cares um, so <laughs> correct let's, no yeah. sorry <laughs> no let's move on let's move on um but yeah so that's all I had cool awesome cool. well moving on we have our three focus questions for the week um Prue's question for the week is what are some of the similarities and differences in these histories of racism or in their lingering persistent legacies so I thought this was a great question Prue um, Thanks. <laughs> I stole it. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I'm honest with you. It's not. It's not my question. I found it on the internet. But well, that makes was... sense. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Whoa! I'm not, I'm getting attacked. What? <laughs> Jesus! What happened? <laughs> oh, true. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, it's usually Sean that we gang up on. Yeah, true. I I, I enjoy this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so back to the actual question itself. Um. I thought that a similarity between the two texts and, like, the histories of racism and, like, the legacies and everything is that, like, both of the groups, oppressed groups, have faced systemic racism. Mm. Um, so, like, in both cases, like, it's actually, like, built into their legal system and all, and the way that, like, society functions and everything. So, like, The Longest Memory, obviously, like, it was a business. We hear that referred to on, like, quite a few occasions, um, like, slaves themselves didn't have any rights they're like there's all these references to them literally just being property um like I always come back to the Virginian editor and the way he talks about them especially when like he's talking about getting the best price for your investment and um like separating families and all that sort of stuff because they're just like not seen as seen as people which is really awful Mm -hmm. um 
And then that I thought was like similar to the seven stages of grieving um, in the sense of like the stolen generation mainly. Like I know there's a lot of um, a lot of laws and stuff within our um, history in Australia where like Indigenous people weren't considered like there was laws. Oh, sorry. I don't know what I'm trying to say. There was like laws making them not responsible for themselves like the um the state got to decide like where they worked and where they lived and mm. who they married and all that sort of stuff um but we don't actually hear so much about that in the text the thing they do kind of draw upon more I thought was like the stolen generation in like home story and the invasion poem where mm. they talk about the children being removed mm-hmm. um and yeah it's like yeah awful to think that that actually went on for like 50 years <laughs> like 50 oh, years of taking that, kids yeah. away yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I thought that was quite similar to obviously what was experienced by slaves who didn't have their own rights and freedoms. But I think the difference between like the um, systemic racism within the two societies is like Indigenous people probably weren't exploited in the same sense that slaves were used in America. Like they weren't – I know it happened, but like, again, if we just think about the text, like we don't really hear – references to them being used as slave labour um but then like they obviously still weren't viewed as people so that's a similarity Mm. yeah what did you guys think um I think I I was similar sorry Sean that's okay you go (laughs) I'm gonna cut in (laughs) is she there still oh she gone Mm. yes I win (laughs) (laughs) everything's going wrong this time guys I know (laughs) I know. <laughs> um, I'll just I'll just chat uh, while we're waiting for Prue to come back, if that's okay. So uh, one of the things that I noticed about um, uh, that was different between the histories of racism um, and their, you know, legacies and what they show um, is that I feel, and I don't know if this is just my feeling, like please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel the... <sighs> The legacy within Seven Stages of Grieving of racism, um, I feel that that's more or less like like more filled with grief um, and shown throughout the text because of that generational trauma. Um, and I think it's because like our main character of, um, you know, the Aboriginal woman, um, she's kind of like that face um, of, of like generational trauma. She's like young. Um, all that sort of stuff. And so when we have Whitechapel, who's like that, the older man, he's, he's pretty much dying, um, all that sort of stuff. I find that um, like those histories of racism and those stories that are told, like they're quite, in my mind, I don't know why, I feel like, yeah, they're quite, they're quite different between the two texts. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm I agree. Wrong. No, no, yeah. it does. Sorry, I was just <laughs> yeah, distracted because no, okay. I was just messaging Prue to be like, "Hey, you're like, you're you like don't gone. exist anymore on the podcast. You're not part of this one." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, everything no, is wrong. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> oh God. Um, oh Lord, we'll have to edit this all out now. <laughs> nah, <laughs> kidding. Um, oh my God, is she back? Prue, you there? No. Nah. Oh, I thought I just saw her come back on. Okay, no. never mind. Um, um, yeah, but yeah. So I found that the histories of racism and all that sort of stuff. I fa- I found that much more uh, like had a much more generational look um, from that point of history and that point of view um, in that younger sort of 
way. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Prue, are you back? <laughs> I keep hearing the, the thing that showed that, like, yeah. says it. Yeah. Me too. Anyway. Oh, wait. Um, I'm, I'm back. Oh, oh Prue, good. What happened? What happened? <laughs> It just went super silent, and I was like, "Does that make sense?" And there was this radio silence, and then I was like, "Wait, what? Why are they so quiet?" (laughs) (laughs) All of my classes, actually, I've had this problem, and I was talking away, and then I'm like, "Wait, can you hear me?" Um. Oh, anyway, I don't even uh, continue where you guys are up to. (laughs) So I've answered the question brilliantly um, in your (laughs) in your absence because you like as soon as you started talking, you cut out. So if you if you go, oh what. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How long were you talking for? Probably <laughs> like a minute. I don't even know. Well, do it all. Oh my god! I, this this episode might require more editing than the others. <laughs> like maybe we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> go, go, right. go, go, go! Quick before you cut out again. Oh yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, I don't know where I. Uh, anyways, um, I think what I said was, and this is going to be terrible now. Um. <laughs> What I said was uh, that in these texts we don't see this this one kind of bad guy or the the this evil or the enemy's face. It's mainstream societies that is the problem. Mm. So I mm. think like you were talking about that systemic racism and and um, how we see that or how that's perpetuated through the law, but mm. we also see it perpetuated through just like the general beliefs and values or attitudes of people in that society. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the, um, like, Murray gets a dress, we see this kind of subtle, um, covert racism, but obviously it's that's reflecting the kind of attitudes about Indigenous people. And, yeah, I think also the Virginian editor kind of lends itself to that as well. Like, I think that that chapter in The Longest Memory does also reflect the kind of common or typical attitudes beliefs about that society so not even just the law but Mm. society would have yeah yeah and probably you know all the other kind of um, white characters besides Lydia they also reflect those common sort of Mm. attitudes and beliefs yeah Mm. um interesting yeah but I think like I guess if you're talking about law um and the systemic racism through law we still see like I guess that's reflected in the seven stages through like the police brutality and like the um discrimination that indigenous people face in the justice system yeah true and yeah and how that's kind of setting them up to 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 fail yeah. to fail yeah yeah, yeah. so true mm-hmm. yeah cool. Well, on to our next question. Hopefully <laughs> we can only get better from here based on how well the first 15 minutes or so has gone of today's episode. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so this is my question. Um, what ideas do both texts convey about the idea of memory? How are these depictions similar or different? Does All anyone right, want to take this? Yeah. I'll go before <laughs> I cut out again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's my turn to cut out. Um, Anyways, all right. So I think uh, both of these texts show that memory and grief are burdens for for the black people that are in these texts. Um, So grief and memory, I guess, I think go hand in hand. The Mm. memory that these people have is of violence, of enslavement or genocide. 
it's so this memory causes that significant grief or trauma. And then the idea that memory is, um, it's in the seven stages, we see this kind of burden of memory it, through this like symbolism of the suitcase and that she carries it around. I think we might have talked about that a few episodes ago. But the fact that yeah, she she's has like, to carry, yeah, yeah she carries this around, grief. she unpacks it, packs it again, and there's probably mm. more photos that she's putting in. She's locking that grief away, but like it's actual literal luggage or ba- not luggage, <laughs> baggage, that's the term, baggage that people <laughs> carry around. And this is the baggage that she has to live with or carry around with her is the the trauma and the grief of her past and her family's past or her ancestors' past or even her mm. people's past. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think <coughs> memory in the longest memory is similar. Um, <laughs> so it's also really painful for him. He refuses to remember. He wants to forget everything. He's, his memories are also full of trauma, full mm. of violence. And, you know, the fact that, you know, he's, he was ripped away from his home country and so he spends the book trying to forget all these past painful memories. Um, I think it's interesting, though, like an, a difference I just kind of thought of is like, so seven stages of grieving, it's like grieving, no, oh, hang on, what do I want to say here? <laughs> like um, <laughs> she's grieving for like, um, you know, the the culture and like what the generation's before her have gone through as well whereas with the Mm. longest memory would you say that like Whitechapel is more just concerned with like his own grief rather than the grief of like the rest of his people Mm. I never thought about that would you say that like I guess yeah I don't know whether he because he's from Africa like Mm. he was then he doesn't consider like he's not considering the yeah like like yeah he's the start but yeah, I guess that is the difference in terms of the history. But like, yeah. he's the start in that ge- intergenerational trauma. He's the beginning because mm. it started with him getting taken away from yeah. Africa. I don't know. I'm just no. I think you're right. I think um yeah, because yeah, obviously like the woman like it's she's speaking probably in like for the most part like in the 90s we're guessing yeah um which is obviously like after like a lot of this stuff has taken place. Whereas yeah, for Whitechapel like he's literally been taken away from Africa like he's right there and like oh it's been I don't know it's interesting because it's like yeah it's been going on for like 150 years but like I guess he doesn't really reflect on that it doesn't seem like he just yeah I don't know yeah and none of the other characters do um yeah I um what I something else I had in my notes was uh so uh, yeah, I guess he's the kind of beginning of it. He works to forget his past um, and then because his want, he wants to forget, <clears throat> the result of that is that he loses his connection to where he's from and mm-hmm. his identity being African. Um, but then he also, it's not just for himself, he also denies this to his uh, descendants, his great-granddaughter. Mm-hmm. So she's denied this connection because he wants to forget. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think in Seven Stages while they passed they, it along yeah they I think they acknowledge that memory is painful or it can be a burden but they still see the importance of memory because memory is what yeah it's pa- passing it alive mm-hmm. yeah 100% and and it keeps them fighting and resisting the oppression whereas if we or Whitechapel's forgetting he's then he's becoming passive in his his resistance to oppression and that's not, you know, I guess that's just different ways that people react to yeah, this. Yeah, like but it's not a criticism. <laughs> it's just that, yeah, a like, difference in it. 
Oh, but like it's yeah, it's just the different ways that people react to oppression. Um, mm. Yeah. Anyone else? That pretty you pretty much summed it up. Um, and this uh, question here from Emily goes nicely into my question just about like the process of grief as well, though, which we've also briefly touched on. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that being said, Sean's question. Mm. What do both texts display about the process of grief? How is this similar or different in each text? So Prue summed it up really nicely mm. before. I actually really like. I'm, I'm not trying to cop. I'm not. I'm not trying to be a cop out here. But like, um, gen, genuine, genuinely, um, yeah. She, you know, the fact that Whitechapel wants to forget. He doesn't want to remember. Grief is very painful for him. He's something that he kind of just wants to put in a box and put it in a cupboard and just never look at it again. Um, but then obviously in Seven Stages of Grieving, the Aboriginal woman, all, all, all of those characters come to life. Um, and you know, they understand that although grieving is, uh, terrible and difficult and hard and what's happened to them is awful and, you know, inhumane and all that jazz, um, <clears throat> it's something that's necessary to keep their history and their culture alive. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, I just found that really interesting. Um, and it's really interesting as well because the other thing I wanted to talk about with this question um, was the fact that um, Whitechapel is the product of obviously all of all of that uh, mistreatment and racism and prejudice and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And we can see that really painfully in the text, um, The Longest Memory. Um, but it's really interesting because um, the process of grief is displayed differently with seven stages of grieving. Like I feel like we see more grief in seven stages of grieving than we do mm -hmm. in the longest memory um quite well like we see like literally all the different stages whereas with Whitechapel, we just we pretty much just see like the last stage of grieving which is basically him um you know being ex basically accepting of his fate but also wanting to obviously forget everything that's happened to him um which i found really interesting as well what do you guys mm. think um you go em <laughs> um yeah I was gonna say the same thing really like yeah it's mainly that big difference of like how they how they deal with it um and I just I'd kind of like noted down that like the structure that you guys talked about also kind of um supports like the whole idea of grief not being linear and that it's experienced differently by different people mm. um and I think like looking at the longest memory too like you can kind of like get a bit of a sense of that by the fact that like they've they've used those different perspectives and everything um and and even the fact that like the narrative isn't told chronologically it jumps around um mm. a little bit so like i think that's trying to maybe like highlight um yeah that it's different for everyone and that everyone will yeah, like thanks. perceive and react to like the same situation in a different way mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think as well what's explored in both texts is that this like that grief is passed down through the generations and that we like hold on to this grief and that's really only reflected in I guess it's really only reflected in the character of the great granddaughter slash great grandmother in the longest memory because she was the one trying to talk to or connect with Whitechapel about his past but it seems like in her chapter she's still kind of reflecting about it as a great grandmother so mm. she's been holding on to this this gruel, I don't say grauma, uh, this Greek <laughs> drama, <laughs> gruel, um, yeah, and <laughs> and so, yeah, I think, and that's obviously as well. Past, that's obviously shown in in the seven stages that that grief is passed down. She's still experiencing grief 
mm. through, you know, multiple the generations that came before her. Mm. Mm. Very interesting. Um, I think mm. Whitechapel's character also shows that grief consumes us. Yeah. So his, like, his grief is, like, physically etched onto his face and they mm. called him, Ooh, like, true. the worry lines or something and they um, called him sad face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just, I guess, and uh, that links back to, <laughs> links back to your thing, Em, as, like, just the different ways that people mm. grieve. And I guess you could also say from that that, like, grief can consume you as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, true. Yeah. Mm. So interesting. Cool. Nice. It is. It's all wrapped all right. up in a neat little package. <laughs> I'll put it in a nice little suitcase. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, that brings us to our final segment for today, which I'm going to be hosting, uh, and it is called True or False. So basically, I will be saying um, a few different statements about the texts, and Sean and Prue are going to have to tell me if it's true or false and to justify their opinion. So, like, all of the – there's only three that I'm going to go through, um, and, like, they could be either. You just have to actually justify, yeah, what you think. Okay. 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 Uh, um, wait, 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 wait. Million dollar question. What do we win? Uh, you win my approval. Oh my god. That is <laughs> that is that is all I want for like the last three years. <laughs> oh my god, the stakes are high. Okay, I'm ready. Yep. Okay. <laughs> no pressure, guys. Um all right, so statement number one, true or false. Both texts show that memories can bring us joy as well as pain. True. Why? Um, um, I just want to say, are we doing, like, names? Like, are we, like, buzzing in with our names? Like, what's happening? Ah, oh, like, sure. Okay. If you want. <laughs> Sorry. Prue, true. Um, I, was, I was, if you're going to pull that card, I was going to be like, but I did say Prue. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go. Okay. Go with your incorrect answer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me try. Let me try. I feel like my brain's fried. Um, so it's true because we see uh, the joy. Do you say memory brings us joy? Yeah. I yeah, think so, we see the yeah. joy in seven stages through her connection with her family and connection to her culture. Um, and I Can think Can you give that, me an example? Uh, I think in the, in Nana, even though it's like, um, you know, the Nana had died, I think that there's like, uh, like, I think there's like the whole, like the whole family gets together, huge barbecues, bowls of salad. Um, I feel like this is kind of like the sound of country music mixing with the clack of knives. I don't know. It seems like this kind of like the wake for her nana seems like you know a time where everyone's got together and um well that's what wakes us kind of supposed to be almost like celebrations of life yeah what about oh here about what about this sometimes you felt like crying and sometimes the joy of being there was enough to forget even for the briefest moment the reason (gasps) is that a good quote that's a good quote yep i like it uh all All right right. the joy of memory (laughs) in oh okay the joy of memory (laughs) This might not be right in the longest memory is the fact I think that um, Chapel and Lydia, their whole relationship was built on like memorising words. 
for each other and like that's what brought their relation like you know strengthened their relationship so they were reliant on memory and I think their love and their relationship brought them some sort of joy even though it would be painful oh I hadn't thought of it like that I just thought of that that then Hmm. good job um Sean I'm sensing that you disagree no, no, no. I agree. I'm just, I just said, damn you, Prue Baker. Oh, no, no. But are you, are you saying false for this? Uh, or true? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I kind of, well, I was going to go with false, but then Prue said her <laughs> quotes that backed herself up. And I'm like, oh, that's obviously true because there is joy there. I would say false for um, longest memory, though, because there's no, there's no, joy in that book is very sad I don't know even with bloody Lydia and Chapel I don't know it's fine she can yeah like points. the memories of the great granddaughter I guess she's it's not actual real memories because she didn't actually experience it but you know the her dream of going to Africa and kissing the ground and mm, connecting true. that way that's a bit of a stretch Okay. More than a stretch of my memory of Chapel and Lydia. Mm, yeah interesting see I I was feeling like this would be like my first instinct when I read this is like false like it's mainly Mm. for the longest memory because I'm like I don't think that book offers much like happiness for the characters um yeah but this just goes to show guys as long as you can justify what you're saying with proof with evidence (laughs) no one can argue with you so get away with anything yeah <laughs> the joy of English. Um, all right, moving on. That's to what we our... should. That's that's what we should rename our podcast. The joy of English. <laughs> no, I don't mind it. Maybe for season two. Yeah. Um, all right. My next. The kids favorite. listening are like season two. Oh. <laughs> Probably if they're listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. True. <laughs> Hello Moving to our on. one listening island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go, 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 go. All right. Um, so statement number two. Both texts depict hope as something that is integral to survival for oppressed individuals. I'm going to say false. Proof false. Why? Oh, I thought I'd gone again then. That was a huge sign. <laughs> yeah. Sean. Yeah, okay. No, Sean. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Um, I'm just listening. I'm okay, just I'm going to say false because um, in the longest, I think only my only justification because in the longest memory, the characters that seem to have hope, their hopes are, like, destroyed. Ooh. Because, like, Chapel and Lydia seem, you know, they have this dream of going to the northern part of America, but it doesn't happen and then their lives are like and then there's this huge tragedy mm-hmm. relating to um chapel so he had hope and then he that's the result like that's what happened to him and then white chapel never had hope but still lived in his life of mm. misery so mm. yeah that's my answer can you repeat the question now um, so both <laughs> both texts depict hope as something that is integral to survival for oppressed individuals. Uh, um, um, uh, Sean, true. Mm-hmm. Um, seven stages of grieving. Uh, the average woman at the end. Um, she talks about how 
they're marching across the bridge and how, you know, they hope for change and all that sort of stuff and they hope that everything will change and they can't go back. Um, mm. And that's technically, I would say that that's presented in a positive light, so showing that they do, like, obviously have, like, you know, that want for survival and, you know, making, you know, a, a better um, life for Aboriginal slash Indigenous um, Australians better, like, in the future. So she's, like, kind of full of all that hope. Like, she's not really, like, battered down by um, at that section of the play. She's not really battered down by, like, um, everything that's happened. Um, and then I would say that hope is also shown in, like, um, Longest Memory through Lydia, although I know that obviously her dreams get dashed because Chapel is murdered. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but also... Um, I don't know, and this is probably a stretch here, but like Mr. Whitechapel, like he he kind of he's he is he wants things to change for the future, but it, it, he doesn't know how they will. But that he still hopes for 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 better and like in the future. Does but that make he sense? doesn't do anything. Like I feel like we see these glimpses of hope, but it doesn't nothing. Doesn't. And would you say too that those okay. hopes that they have is integral to their survival? I no. think it helped. Oh, I think it helped keep Mr. White. I think it helped keeps. Uh, I don't Mr. Think White it's Chapel. not integral at all. They'll <laughs> survive. Prue, I hate you. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I don't know. Like Mr. Whitechapel. I don't know. It, it helps. It helps him survive because I said so. <laughs> Look, in the interest of keeping things interesting for the final question, oh my question, god, yes. I will award it to Sean. Yes, um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't really bought like, this audio for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I won, I won. <laughs> well, not yet. Um, so, <laughs> final <what>? question. <laughs> yep, hit me. The tiebreaker. Oh god. <laughs> Both texts suggest that culture is a key aspect of an individual's sense of identity and belonging. Pretty true. Frick! <laughs> Why? Uh, well, I feel like we see, we feel like we see in seven stages this grief and um, grieving the loss of culture. Um, and. I think she ties that culture is like, I feel like it's all like a little bundle thing of like culture includes in seven stages, like the language, the family connect, like the community um, and connection to country, tradition, that sort of stuff. And I feel like that's like, eh, I can't explain it, but that's like who she is. And I think she, she talks about that so much. And I think her grief, from losing some of that is palpable and shown a lot in the play. Does that make sense? Have I explained that terribly? No, I think it works. Yeah. So like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Um, and then I think in the longest memory, we see very little, like the, the characters who are enslaved in the longest memory, we see, very little like individual culture because of the like um enslavement because they're you know enslaved and then like we just don't see much identity like we can come we can differentiate between the characters but 
um, we can't actually see this this culture that's like like explored in this like they don't have a culture. Be- <laughs> I can't explain. Um, but I think they like the. I think they haven't got. They've lost their sense of identity because their culture was t- like taken away they, from them. taken away from them. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, taken away from them. Their um, identity is or, like the. They don't even have their own names. They mm. they wouldn't be speaking their own language. Uh, all African language, the language that Whitechapel would have spoken in Africa, um, they're all speaking English, um, you know, the language of their oppressors and their enslavers. Um, so I don't think this, yeah, they don't have their own identity. They're not, they're not allowed to practice their own identity or they're not able to because of they're mm. extremely oppressed. So, um, or then, yeah, they don't, there's, hmm, anyway, do you want to see what I mean? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I exhausted myself from my excellent, uh, <laughs> analysis of the first two. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm going to stop. Finn, that's it. That's my, that's my answer over. Yeah. Um, uh, I feel like Prue win, Pru wins. Thank you, you don't have anything to add, Sean? I have I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you just let me stumble through that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And now we have a recorded version of that. So every oh. time I make fun of you, I'll just bring this this podcast up and be like, well. Terrible. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> My teaching okay. license went renewed. <laughs> oh god oh thanks for reminding me too <laughs> <laughs> all right well that um yeah i guess Prue's our winner you have my approval Prue, which you already had because you own an udi and you're a good person um, <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't worried yeah are you guys suggesting but, that i am not a good person <laughs> well no that's not not what was said but anyway yeah, that's what i've inferred <laughs> <laughs> whatever <laughs> All right. Um, well, yeah, that wraps up episode seven, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, yeah, it's been been an interesting one. Probably not our best, so sorry <laughs> if you are still with us. Um, <laughs> next week will be our last episode in the series on um, the longest memory and the seven stages of grieving. And we're basically just going to be going over uh, like how to address like different essay prompts and stuff like that to help our yeah students with their essay writing so if you are interested in that make sure you listen and yeah we will see you next week bye bye see you bye